The views expressed in the following program do not necessarily represent those of the staff, management, or owners of WGBB. Live from the WGBB studios in Merrick, New York, this is Sports Talk New York. Good evening and hello again, everybody. Welcome to Sports Talk New York on WGBB here in Merrick, Long Island, New York. Bill Donahue here. I'm taking you through the first hour. This is Sunday, the 22nd day of January 2023, in case you're just waking up. Our engineer, Brian Graves, is across the way, as always, and I'm happy to welcome you aboard. So glad you could be with us. I've got a great show lined up for you tonight, as always. First, we'll speak with legendary New York Jet defensive lineman and future Hall of Famer, the great Joe Klecko. In the second half, we'll welcome in two-time Stanley Cup champ, former Boston Bruin and New York Ranger, the Turk, Derek Sanderson, will join us. So sit back, relax, get comfy, enjoy this edition of Sports Talk New York tonight here on GBB. As always, uh, got a great show, some great people, some good sports talk up ahead, as always. Social media, I invite you to follow us on Facebook. We are out there. We are on LinkedIn. We are also on Twitter at WGBB Sports Talk. You can follow me on Twitter at B Donahue WGBB. And all past shows, if you miss one, don't worry because they're all out on the website. You can listen to them at your leisure. Well, our first guest, best remembered for his days as a defensive lineman, a member of the New York Jets famed New York Sack Exchange. Jets fans will also know that this gentleman <clears throat> he was named, excuse me, a Pro Bowl selection at three different positions. A member of the Jets Ring of Honor, uh, retired in number, number 73, the Jets did on August 17th, 2022. Oh no, it was before that. August 17th, 2022 was when Joe was announced as one of the three finalists nominated by the senior committee for induction into the 2023 NFL Hall of Fame class for this year. It's a pleasure to welcome back to the show tonight, Joe Klecko. Joe, good evening. Hi, Bill. Very good. How you doing? Great to have you with us, Joe. Now, you grew up in Pennsylvania. Who are your teams and your sports heroes when you were a kid? Oh, there was a, a buzz around. It was always the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh-oh. Uh, but believe it, believe it or not, though, I was I was a baseball player when I was younger. And uh, Mickey Mantle was uh, my guy. I mean, everybody, I played uh, uh, right field, and I was a big home run hitter in Little League. Yeah. And everybody, and I batted left-handed, so everybody would always call me Mickey, young Mickey Mantle. <laughs> and uh, I always inspired to be a baseball player, but as fate had it, it didn't turn out like that. No, it didn't, Joe, but you did all right. I'll tell you that. You did pretty good. <laughs> yeah. Uh, not being number seven Mickey Mantle out there. Now, you played semi-pro ball for the uh, Aston, that's in Pennsylvania, folks, Knights of the Seaboard Football League. Now, I want to check check this out with you, Joe. You kept your eligibility by playing under the name Jim Jones from Poland University. Exactly. Very <laughs> good. Yeah. It was very different back then. You know? Yeah. The owners, the owners were, you know, they realized I was a pretty good player, and 
they wanted to help me maintain my eligibility, and they thought it would be a good idea. It worked out too, right? Exactly. Yeah. You know, we had a little bit of a problem with it when I got it, but what it was is I never got paid to play football, you know, so uh, there was no problem with me still remaining an amateur. So uh, when I got a scholarship, actually, out of, out of the Seaboard League to go to Temple, uh, there was, uh, you know, I still had my eligibility because I was an amateur. Now, you had a great career at Temple. You played for Wayne Harden, who folks may remember had coached two Heisman Trophy winners, Joe Bellino and the great Roger Staubach. Tell us a little bit about your college days at Temple, Joe. Well, they, they were very interesting because of, you know, I never really thought I'd see college because no one in my family had ever gone to college. So, And, you know, it was uh, not foreseen by me because, you know, coming out of uh, high school, I didn't get any scholarship offers, really. And uh, for that reason alone, you know, I wasn't going to pay to go to college because mm-hmm. uh, my family had no money, you know. So I figured I'd just be designated to working a normal life, just like everybody in my family and neighborhood ever, ever did. But uh, as fate had it, you know, uh, I got a chance to go to Temple. And uh, I, it was a, it was an awakening for me. Uh, you know, uh, first off, I thought it, I was there to be a football player, you know, and I really didn't give class much thought. <laughs> and, uh, I actually failed out my first semester and, uh, that wasn't good. Uh, so I had to work my butt off to get back and I learned a valuable lesson at that point. So, uh, from then on, it was uh, maintaining a great point average to be able to, to play football. And I did that. And uh, basically wound up, you know, spending four good years at Temple and you know, under a great coach. You know, Coach Harden had a national championship with uh, Navy with Bellino and Stallback. So, you know, we were we were guided by a guy who really, you know, knew what he was doing. And it was it was pretty good. We had a uh, matter of fact, Steve Joachim, who was our quarterback, uh, was a Maxwell Trophy winner the year before uh, his his senior year, my junior year. So we had a we had a pretty good uh, run at it as far as uh, you know the Big East football. It was a a lot of fun, and again we made a name for ourselves. You did, yeah. You were inducted into the Temple University Sports Hall of Fame, and I, I can relate to the first semester freshman year, Joe. I, I I remember that when I when I was in college, uh, they give you reading assignments, and you're like, yeah, yeah, I'll I'll read it, you know, I'll get yeah. to it, yeah. <laughs> As you lay in there with your hands behind your head, I got plenty of time. I can go out tonight. Don't worry about it. <laughs> exactly. And as a way of sneaking up, boy, oh, boy. We're speaking with Joe Klecko tonight on the program. Now, you're drafted by the Jets in the sixth round. That's 144th overall. And uh, you, you had a good first year. Yeah. Uh you know, you know, as as a rookie and everything like that, I led all rookies in sacks. Right. And you know, I I started after my, I guess it was about my fifth game or so. I started from then on, and basically, I never got removed. So uh, yeah, I, it was it was a promising lifetime for me as far as starting. And uh, you know, after my rookie year, I felt like I felt like I was there to to you know uh, I I could be there, I could play there. You know, so you know up to then, you know. You know, coming into the NFL, you really, as a six-round draft choice, you know, 
you're like a 50-50 chance, and mm-hmm. you really don't know whether or not you can play there. And then you find out, you know what, I can. So, you know, you work harder and get better. Now, the Jets, people may ask the question, Joe, how did you switch, get to switch positions and, and uh, become a pro bowler at those different spots? The answer is, folks, uh, the Jets switched to 3-4 defensive alignment in 85. Joe learned a new position. He moved to nose tackle. And there, uh, in that season, Joe, you led them with 96 tackles, five forced fumbles, and seven and a half sacks. That was your second all pro selection. So you're doing pretty good up till then. Yeah, well, I came in, you know, when I came into the league, I was a defensive tackle. And, uh, my, uh, uh, first year of defensive end is when Marty Lyons and Mark Gastineau came in. And, uh, I played right end. And, uh, you know, that was, you know, well, that was my first pro bowl at end, you know. And then, uh, 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 an injury in 82 basically set me back and I went to defensive tackle and uh, then I made all pro defensive tackle and then when Bud Carson came in as a defensive coordinator in 84 and 85 I went to nose tackle mm-hmm. and uh, I kind of lit it up at nose tackle the way Bud wanted to play it and he used to play it as a cock nose not straight up and uh, I used to give center Smith's and uh, it really worked out well. He, he came up to me and he said to me, he says, you know, he goes, you know, Joe, what do you think about this? You want to try it? I said, hell yeah. I said, what do you want me to do? And he kind of explained what he needed out of it and everything like that. And I said, all right, if you give me my, you know, my freedom a little bit here and, you know, let's try and make it work. And uh, he gave me my freedom. Bud was a good guy. He realized, you know, Bud Carson, I probably learned more football from Bud Carson in the two years I was with him, or three years I was with him, then uh, I probably learned in my whole career of football. What a bright man. He really was. A great name and, in, uh, in New York football history, Joe. You're exactly right. Bud Carson, uh, a great football name. Now, oh, yeah. Now, I mean, you know, go ahead, Joe. I'm the, sorry. The whole time he was with the Steelers through the 70s, they were always one, two, or three in defense. Yep. Now, uh, the, the whole New York sack exchange thing came about and, uh, really pushed you guys into the forefront, not only in New York, but really nationwide. And, uh, how did you guys deal with that and, and the, the, the whole publicity of the thing, the New York sack exchange? Well, that was really the great awakening for, you know, four young guys because, uh, you know, during that time, uh, you know, we had never really done anything yet and the attention wasn't on us because the media coverage today is so much different than it was back then. Mm-hmm. And, uh, when we finally got the coverage, uh, you know, we were like, you know, fish out of water with the, with the media because, you know, we didn't know what to expect, but, you know, it was like almost learning on the run because we were, then acquired by, uh, we were offered by, uh, Pro Keds, a big shoe contract, and we started, uh, we went down, they set it up to where we would have all of our pictures taken, uh, down at the New York Stock Exchange, you know? Right, yeah, and, I remember. Uh, oh, it was just, you know, we had a blast. It was, you know, fun, fun, fun. I mean, and the best part about it was, is, you know, the whole part of being at Stock Exchange was, 
we were just so damn good. We were just good at playing football, and we had a blast doing what we were doing. It was so much fun. And then all the things that came along with it, like I said, the the the, the, the posters and you know, right? The post, uh, the posters, uh, the the, uh, the figurines. The I, I have oh, one yeah. of those at home. Yeah, the yeah. Uh, the Danbury Mint or somebody put them out. It was really a great yeah. figure. Yeah, of all four guys. Uh, but like you say, Joe, kind of unprecedented in those days. These days you'd expect it a lot more. But the T-shirts and the posters, you guys were really, as I said, moved to the forefront. Yeah, it was, we were become iconic. The name just absolutely was, uh, you know, uh, uh, outstanding. You know, it how they actually created it was because, you know, it would be Gaston and I would be leading the league in sacks back and forth, you know, who's going to get one, two, three, four today. And it would be like a betting scheme, like you were playing the market, you know, uh, about the, about it going up or down. <laughs> and that's how it uh, referred to the sack exchange. And uh, it really became a lot of fun for us because, you know, it was like everybody was betting in and out one who would get more than the other. And uh, it became a great competition, too. I mean, Mark and I were always in competition for it, but, you know, it, uh, it really, it made our team better. It did. It certainly did. I remember those days and they were good ones to remember. Uh, about Mark Gastineau, of course, he did the sack dance after every sack. The opponents had trouble with it. Did you guys ever have trouble with Mark doing his dance? Mark knew we didn't like it, you know, but. Oh, okay. You know, yeah. You know. He beat to a different drummer, and, you know, you know, nowadays we've gotten all by that, you know. But back then, you know, he was going to do what, what made him, you know, promote himself. And, you know, and listen, I was, I was the old lunchbox guy, go to work, do my job, and <laughs> right. get up and go back. I remember, I, I remember telling my son Danny when he went to play for the Patriots, and I said to him, I, well, I said to him, when he was at Temple, he played at Temple also. And I said to him, I said, if I ever see you celebrate after a sack, I says, hurry up and turn around. Because the <laughs> first one you're going to see is going to be me kicking your ass. <laughs> you know? Yeah. No, yeah, I wasn't a, a, a fan of that because, you know, I was, I always thought about the guy you're playing against. You know, the guy you're playing against, if you get a sack or two sacks a game, that guy plays against you for 60 plays. Right. And he's prevented you from doing it. Well, he doesn't dance over you every time that he stops you. You know, so I did, I didn't think it was right to do that. Good. To, you know, the respect for another player. Yeah, I, I agree, Joe. You look about it today, and oh my God. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, tonight they were doing snow angels up in Buffalo. Uh, yeah, I, yeah, you know, I was waiting for a flag for that. Yeah, it's, it, it, it's the stuff that they do nowadays that absolutely, you know, is is besides the, you know, just dancing around. Anything goes, you know. It's, yeah, it's it's mild in comparison to Gastineau. Certainly is. Now, uh, leaving the Jets, uh, you had some injuries, Joe, some knee injuries, and uh, I believe that they released you one year. And how did you feel about leaving New York? Oh, I, I hated it. You know, like when, you know, when you're with the team for all that time and stuff, you know, 
it has a lot to do with your makeup, you know. And you know, I was, I was, I grew up in New York Jets. I was, I was weaned in professional football by the New York Jets. New York Jets was my family. It was my home, you know. And I think a lot of veterans themselves, good players or bad players, have such a hard time when that happens to them. But it's the game. It's the business side of the game. Mm-hmm. And not, you know, and I didn't. I didn't accept it well. And a lot of guys don't. You know, I mean, Joe Namath left and went to the Rams. I mean, you know, Joe himself said that, you know, he should have never did it. But, uh, you know, he did, you know. And those kind of things are, you know, again, what you do. Right. And uh, I was trying to find some pictures of you as an Indianapolis Colt because I, I, as a collector, I like to find pictures, photos of guys uh, in not their, you know, relatable uniform. So I'm looking yeah. for a picture of Joe Klecko. There are none. There are some cards as, with you as a Colt, but I couldn't yeah. find any 8x10s. But uh, interesting that you you went to the Colts, and he ended up playing the Jets in the playoff that year. No, we, we went down to the last game with them in Shea Stadium, and uh, we, we had lost. It was not. A oh, that's right. Yeah, I I, I, I stand corrected, Joe. Yeah, but yeah, you did lose to them. Yeah, the and year that, before, uh, the Colts had won the uh, big, the the Eastern Division. So, you know, one of the reasons the Jets released me, and I was. I had five other teams that I could have went to, but because they had Eric Dickerson and everything, I really believed that they were going to be, you know, a contender again. And I, that's one of the reasons I went there. But, uh, you know, it, it didn't work out, but uh, that was the end of it after that. I had, I had enough. And, you know, it, like I said, it, it's like a, I guess, I don't know what it's like. I never happened to me, but it's like a divorce, I guess. And, uh, uh you know, when you leave someone that, you've grown up with it's it's very hard to go somewhere else you gotta know when to fold them like they say joe joe yeah, exactly joe klecko with us tonight on the program now the hall of fame beckons once again joe you, you you've been uh up for the nomination for the hall a couple of times uh i'll uh, read some quotes from guys Dwight Stevenson said uh, you were a great defensive lineman, considered you to be one of the two best interior linemen he ever faced. The great Anthony Munoz said uh, in his 13 seasons, Joe is right there at the top with Fred Dean, Leroy Selman, and Bruce Smith. Uh, the strongest guy he ever faced was Joe Klecko. Uh, guys like Joe DeLamalier, uh have nothing but praise to, to, to sing about you. How did you feel when you got that call this year? Oh, fantastic. You know, yeah. like you said, I mean, I've been on the ballot for a lot of years, you know, whether or not, uh, you know, I got elected or selected, as they say, as a nominee or for the regular player right. or for seniors. So, you know, it's, it's always that thing there. My guys would call me, the, you know, the reporters that were in the room for me and stuff and go, you know, Joe, he goes, I think this is the year. I think this is the year. I think this is the year. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then finally, <laughs> you know, I got nominated. And, I'm, you know, we're waiting for the end of it to come uh, when they're going to announce it to see. Uh, you know, I'm very hopeful, but I'm keeping my fingers crossed that 
you know, we crossed that final finish line. Right, yeah, everybody's looking forward to that. Uh, February 9th, I believe, is the date of the uh, announcement of, of both the uh, the regular ballot and the veterans ballot. Uh, I think Don Coriel is up for that as well. And, uh, yeah, Joe DeLamalore said that, that you're up there with Joe Green and Merlin Olson that he played against, and, and he's a Hall of Famer himself. So that, that's pretty decent praise to get from Joe. Yeah, I mean, you know, the guys that I've played against, like I said, that are in the Hall of Fame, you know, uh, you know, from the praise that they sing of it is, you know, it's gratifying. It really is because, you know, the, the guys you played against, you know, I feel, most of them are real humble guys anyway, and the best at what they do, you know, and uh, it's nice to see that, you know, they think that much of me. It's a pretty good barometer. Yep, you're exactly right, Joe. Now, you've had your number 73 retired from the uh, the Jets. You were just the third Jet to have his number retired, which was behind Hall of Famers there, Joe Namath and Don Maynard. Uh, those had to be tremendous honors for you, Joe. Oh, there's no doubt. You know, when it did happen, you know, the only thing that you always remember is that, you know, my grandkids will see that and, you know, that uh, I would, uh, uh, you know, cherish it because, you know, nobody's ever going to wear that number again. And that's pretty doggone cool, you know. Yeah. Uh, and I'm proud of it, you know. And now we got to get you the gold jacket. Now, uh, uh, th- this may be, I don't know if this is uh, a surprise that, that you're waiting for, Joe, or maybe uh, I'm counting our chickens before they're hatched. Uh, your introduction in Canton, if that should take place, who would you pick to introduce you? You know, I've thought about that. I really have. Yeah. And, it, it, you know, it's going to be, you know, one of them Hall of Fame guys that I was good friends with or, you know, my kids. My son Danny played, right, and uh, you know, or one of the guys I played with. So I really hadn't really, you know, narrowed that down because hell, first it's got to happen, and then it's six months, seven months away. You know what I mean? So I'm, uh, I'm not convinced about who it would be, you know, yet. But uh, it's, uh, it's something I thought about. It's going to be a nice thing to think about even further, too, Joe. That's oh, yeah. Sure. yeah. It's, it's a great dilemma to have. Yeah. It really is. Yeah. Now, folks may not know, we've spoke about your son, Dan, Dan Klecko. Uh, they may not realize that your son is a three-time Super Bowl champ. Sure, yeah, he is. Yeah. He, uh, he's won two with the Patriots and one with the Colts. Yeah. And, you know, it's, uh, like I say, if, if you can't get it, boy, I say it's really great. To have your son get it, you know that's the best. Yeah, must be super proud of Danny. That's for sure. Oh and yeah. Now you, your good. your daughter was a great softball player too. Yeah, my kids were most. You know, all the boys. I had three boys, and they all played. And you know, Dan and I went to Temple together. But my son Michael played, and my son Josh played. And uh, uh, my daughter, she was uh, she went to school on a scholarship for softball down at University of Delaware. Yes. Not too bad, yeah, to have uh, some great yeah, athletes. All, of them, all, all five of them played sports at some time or another. Proud Papa, that's for sure. Now, these uh, days, what are you doing these days to keep yourself busy, Joe? Oh, I I, I, I work with my friend who is down here in uh, uh, Monmouth County. His name is Bill Pollock. He's a, he owns a Trinity Solar, and mm-hmm. uh, I still dibble in the 
I've worked for 25 years in the city as a miscellaneous representative for companies in the steel business. So I keep my fingers in the, the construction world. Understood. Ever, ever thought about coaching, Joe? In the very beginning, you know, when you get out, you really don't understand what you're going to do and all. And you know, you know so much about, you know, what you did for, you know, for almost 20 years of your life. You know, it's, it's something you think you know, but, uh, it's amazing. A lot of guys get out and that's what they want to do. And I was the same. I called around. Then I figured, you know, I'm no different than a, a, a thousand other guys that are retired every year, you know, and I'm saying to myself, you know what, let's move on and, you know, let's, you know, get started in something else. Yeah. And so I started in sales and then I got into the construction world and, uh, you know, uh, from my youthful days of construction and, you know, heavy equipment operating and, uh, truck driving that I stuck to the construction world. You did, and you did very well. And uh, we're yeah, looking yeah. forward, Joe, to February 9th, folks. February 9th is when the Hall of Fame vote will be announced. And we certainly look forward to Joe Klecko putting on that gold jacket this summer in Canton. Joe, it's been a pleasure to have you with us tonight. I thank you uh, for t- I know you're a busy guy taking time out of your Sunday night with your family to spend it with us out here on Long Island. We'll all be watching, and we look forward to... Uh, keeping an eye on uh, the election results, Joe. I thank you, Bill, and I appreciate you being with me. That is Joe Klecko, ladies and gentlemen. Up next on Sports Talk New York, we welcome in the great two-time Stanley Cup champion, Derek Sanderson. Stick around, folks. Listening to Sports Talk New York. Tune in every Sunday night at 8 p.m. on Long Island's WGBB. Broadcasting on 95.9 FM and 1240 AM. Or listen live online at WGBBradio.com. Stay connected to Sports Talk New York on WGBB by following us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at WGBB Sports Talk. You're listening to Sports Talk New York on Long Island's WGBB. And now, back to the show. All right, folks, welcome back. Welcome back to Sports Talk New York here on WGBB. We're broadcasting live tonight from beautiful downtown Merrick, Long Island. Uh, Second time I'm with you this year. And uh, the year is moving, moving right along. I, I have to say, we're we're coming up to uh, February already, and spring training, pitchers and catchers, about twenty-two days away. I think twenty-two. I keep a, a count on my Facebook page, and uh, just Derek Sanderson's calling my cell phone. <laughs> it's not going to help him out. Uh, I wish to remind you folks that along with uh, the spring training and pending 22 days or so away, we, uh, we're we talking football and hockey tonight, but the Baseball Writers Association of America vote uh, for the National Baseball Hall of Fame's 
class of 23 voting. The results will be announced this Tuesday at 6 p.m. on the MLB Network. So tune into that, and we'll see who's going to be uh, on the stage in Cooperstown this summer. The names, some of the names being bandied about for inclusion in the, uh, in, it's really the most exclusive of all the halls of fame. Uh, we have, uh, the Carlos Beltran, Billy Wagner, uh, Todd Helton, Scott Rowland, Jeff Kent, uh, s- some great names, but none of them really jump off the page at you. So we'll be checking out that voting to see, uh, if anybody makes it to Cooperstown, along with Fred McGriff, uh, to be inducted into the Baseball Hall of Fame in July in Cooperstown. We're well, moving right along. Our next guest, nicknamed Turk. He's a Canadian former professional ice hockey center, two-time Stanley Cup champion. He really helped transform the culture of the professional athlete in the era of the 1970s. I remember it well. Two-time Stanley Cup champion, and he set up that epic overtime goal uh, scored by Bobby Orr that's so prolific in the history of hockey. I'm sure you've seen the picture of it. Uh, It clinched the 1970 Stanley Cup Finals, really considered to be the greatest goal in NHL history. Over 13 seasons, this man amassed 202 goals, 250 assists, 911 penalty minutes, and a plus 141 rating, uh, 598 games with five teams in the National Hockey League. It's a pleasure to welcome back to the show tonight, Derek Sanderson. Derek, good evening. Very good, Bill. How are you? I'm doing wonderful. It's great to have you with us, sir. Yes. Yeah, I'm happy. What's going on? Now, I wanted to ask you about where you grew up. You were born in Niagara Falls. Uh, I was born in Niagara Falls. Yeah. yeah. And it wasn't the city that it is today, the uh, Las Vegas well, of the, the East, back right? Back in my day, I think there was only 30, 34,000. Yeah. So, and, it's huge now. It's got all the gambling now. Right. Yeah, I was going to say, it's the Vegas of the they East 12, now. They got 12 million people a year go there. Yeah, I know. It's a busy place. You know, place. it's a gold mine for the guys that owned the, finally got the uh, gambling in. Oh my God. Uh, right. Yeah, they're doing pretty I'm well. Unfortunately, I never thought they would bring gambling into sports, just obviously. Oh, please. Ask people. It looks like management just <laughs> sold out. Management just went for the dollar and said, okay. I mean, I don't think sports is going to last forever in this country with the, with the change of rules. The guy's making two, three hundred million a year. Yeah. No. I, I mean, when's it going to end? It's not right? going to happen. No. Oh, I'm telling you, I know what it's like. I was the first one. You I were. Think, we'll get uh, to that. We'll get to that. We'll tell the folks okay, about that. Okay, but I'll that. tell you what. You get 25000 and you go to $2.5 million, I tell you, that looks like a telephone. It's really ridiculous. It changes and you. And you think, yeah. well, now at $2 million, I was, I was paycheck to paycheck. Yeah. And right? I had a summer I had a summer gig. So it was, uh, yeah, it was huge. Five years after I went in the league, I, yeah. Now, growing up in Niagara Falls, Derek, you had a your dad built you a hockey rink in the backyard. Yes, he did. Nice, yeah. Not, My dad built. He made it. Went out and he said there was a uh, you know Canada uh, uh, McLean's magazine is Canada's Time magazine. Okay, so they, they correlate, right? Well, it t- the uh, McLean's did an article in nineteen fifty. Four, I believe, 53 or 4, and 
maybe. No, no, it must have been maybe 50. Anyway, uh, and they asked, they asked Canadians to, for, uh, for, uh, a ballot and then we'll find out how many, what's the most, uh, revered profession in, uh, Canada. Uh huh. Doctors were second. Yeah. <laughs> Hockey players are first. They love it. My dad yeah. said, my boy going to be a hockey player. <laughs> who, who were your heroes? What teams did you root for? My dad. That's yeah. <laughs> I, yeah. No, I uh, never got an autograph in my life. Okay. Never got an autograph in my life. And uh, I just was my dad. He was everything to me. Nice. And he was my mentor, my teacher, my Psychologist, he handled everything he told me. It's very, very, very true. Good. Well, that's uh, that's uh, refreshing to hear, Derek. And in in, yeah. uh, in uh, this world of of sports and money and competition, and it's great to hear that uh, someone uh, revers their father like that. Now, yeah, I tell you, he's the greatest guy in the world. A great guy. Sixty-seven, sixty-eight. You really start with the Bruins, then. Uh, 98 yeah. penalty minutes. How did you establish yourself as sort of a tough guy in the league? I was I was tough in in, in junior. Okay. I tell you how I got it. It puts the perspective together. We play. You remember Stanford? It's the next door to Niagara Falls. Niagara Falls and Stanford. They're a little bit bigger. Mm-hmm. They were a, we were a, a double a triple A and they were a double A or something. I don't know. But they had more kids. Anyway, they used to beat us silly. 17 to 2, uh, 11 to 4, and 15, uh, just criminal. They used to be at a solo time. So I'm playing, I'm, I'm, I'm a, a bantam going up to play midget. So I'm a bantam, I'm only about maybe 12, 11. And I go up and I'm ready for, for uh, Stanford. And uh, this kid just grabbed me and uh, uh, just punched me four or five in the face. Oh, I never dropped my gloves, right? And I thought my dad would be pumped, right? I got four goals. So I get in the car, and I said, hey, yeah, what's the matter? Ah, son, you're kind of, you know, you know. I said, what do you mean? And I, the fight, you never threw a punch. I said, well, well, I didn't want to go to the penalty box. Did you go to the penalty box? Yeah, you both went. You both got fired from fighting. Right. You were the recipient. You just got pounded. And I don't want to see that again. You stand up for yourself. So we were playing Stanford the next night. And uh, the kid that jumped me and, and fought me, he was skating around. I was timing my turns with his turn. And I, I warm up at center ice. And I stepped over center ice line, which in the old days, nobody did. He stepped over and just punched, just drilled him. Knocked him down. Uh Jumped on him, I got thrown out of the game. My dad said, that's what I like to see. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so, there you go, he folks. Part of that, too. <laughs> yeah. Now, but now, I, then I thought, and if I thought you were even thinking about it, if it gave me a look, I'd attack you. <laughs> and that was, that was fun. That was a lot of fun. <laughs> Yeah, and you played on a line with, uh, we know Eddie Westfall from being the captain of the Islanders, and yeah, yeah. Don Marcotte on the left, uh, some great names on those Boston teams. Oh, you had Cheevers and McKenzie. And yeah, and Johnny Pye McKenzie. And, you know, yeah, you had Bobby Orr. You had, you had it all. 
And then, we had it all. Don't forget that you guys he had uh, Calder Cup two years in a row with you and Bobby Orr. Yeah, yeah, back to back. And and uh, yeah. Derek Sanderson with us tonight. You, you got a lot of publicity, Derek, for uh, the girls and uh, your Rolls Royce. And things yeah. like that. You you were named by Cosmo as one of the sexiest men in America. I can relate to that because I was up for that this year. And uh, <laughs> Atta boy. Oh, he's laughing. You hear that, Brian? I'm yeah. getting laughed. <laughs> uh, I don't even know if they still do that, do they? Oh, who knows? I haven't read Cosmo since I was 12. Um, True. He was, uh, you were a subject of gossip column. How did you enjoy oh. that, oh. that lifestyle? Uh, I tell you what, when it's happening to you, yeah. you don't know. I don't, I don't, if you don't get cocky, right, you right. can really enjoy it. Yeah. As long as you stay humble through it. Don't believe them. Don't believe yourself or what people say. No, do not. Because, uh, it's just entertainment. It's just fun. We're there so doctors and lawyers and people that run the country, uh, have some entertainment. That's all it is. Hockey's just entertainment. And, you like to go, you dedicate your, uh, you know, paycheck. I don't know how people can afford it today, but, uh, that's yeah, just so right. good about it. It's just, they're all there. I mean, it's, can't beat it. And people are that good to you, you can't be cocky. You gotta be nice. You, you gotta be nice. That's it, folks. Remain humble. Those are the Remain watchwords. Humble, yep. Now, we spoke about earlier, Derek, summer of 72. You signed the richest contract in sports history with a team called the Philadelphia Blazers, and that was in the yeah. World Hockey Association. Folks around yeah. here may remember the New York Raiders were part of the World Hockey Association. Five-year, $2.6 million. $2.6 million these days gets a guy who bats 200 in the major league uh, salary these days. Oh, but, yeah. But back oh, then, yeah. I would, huge I would money. Make it, I would be making $8 million, $7 now. Yeah. Unbelievable. That now Well they came, as the story goes, uh Johnny McKenzie had jumped and he signed with Philadelphia. Uh Judge Higginbottom in, in Philadelphia with the Blazers stopped Bobby Hull. And no, uh you have to compensate him. You're taking him, you have to compensate the people you're taking him from. And that's the clause that everybody says that they want, right? Yeah. No, no, that isn't free agency. Free agency is without compensation. Then you're free to deal. But if you had to pay me four million and pay them four million, you you couldn't make it. It was prohibitive. Right. And the judge said to me, "How do you see it, Mr. Sanderson?" And I said, "Well, I just see it as a little man bettering himself." Your Honor. Yeah. The Boston Bruins uh, pay me twenty-five thousand dollars. I won two Stanley Cups. I was Rookie of the Year. And they, and, and it's, uh, it's criminal. They got me on 25,000. These people want to give me 2.65 million. <laughs> right. And, uh, I said to him, I said, well, if you give me 265, that's how I got the extra 50. Because Pele had just signed, uh, with the Cosmos for two points. <laughs> yeah. Did, didn't yeah. Bernie so Perron? I, had, I said, you give me 50,000 more, I'll be the highest paid athlete in the world. Bernie Perrant went to Philadelphia too, didn't he? Yes, he did. Yeah. Bernie Perrant went to Philadelphia. Uh, there's a lot of guys jumped. Beavers jumped. Uh, oh, well. New York Rangers were the only one that paid their players. Nobody from the Rangers jumped. 
Yeah, that's true. You're right. The the Raiders were sucking wind. Now, yeah. You you yeah. came up with a back injury though, and pl- playing in Cleveland. Once you yeah, hurt your back, is, Derek, that's the, that's the end with a back injury, isn't it? Well, that's what happened. Is I'm in the penalty box and people are throwing stuff at me. I you're a target. You're getting paid that much, right? And he's throwing stuff, and I mean, I was getting hit with garbage in the in the in the bench. Uh, then my penalty was up, and I went to jump out on the ice, and, and the puck broke loose from the, the defenseman. So I said, well, I mean, I give me get that to break away. Boom. So I jumped, and I stepped on a piece of uh, tape. Uh, you know the wrapper for Wrigley's wrapper? I stepped yeah. on it. My left foot went right. My right foot went right. Oh, I, everywhere. I, was, it, I popped. My back snapped like you wouldn't believe it. Oh, boy. So I laid on ice all night. All night. And then they put me in a stretcher with ice on it. Got me to Philadelphia. Laid in bed for a long time. It was a terrible uh, thing. And I said, well, the doctor said to me, we're going to have to operate. And I said, okay. And I, fine. Uh, and I wrote it down. And I said, here, this is a, you sign this, right? Yeah. You sign this. And I will, uh. I show. I got to shut this football game off, Bill. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Un- unreal. Uh, where were we? The the back injury. Oh yeah. So he, I said, sign this, and I will uh, tell me I can play hockey again after you open me up. And right. he said, oh, I can't guarantee that. Oh, I said, you can't guarantee it. I'm not taking it. Right. I got enough money. I I'm passed. Well, Philadelphia didn't want to give up on me that early, so they. Went and got me a, 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 a trainer. Oh my God. He had me in the best shape of my life. A month later, I was in the best condition of my life. How was, how was the back then though? Oh, the back never hurt me again. Wow. Okay. So the he surgery. He worked around took... the back. And yeah. he had a two inch, he had these, he improvised exercises to keep it, never do the same thing twice. And he had this for an hour. He'd get on a chair. He was sitting in a chair. And, uh, you know, the corridors that go down the dress rooms where they're narrow? Right. So I'm 10, 10 feet up. And he'd throw it. And it would bounce. And it, like a football. And you'd have to catch it. If I could catch 20 in a row, I could, I could do something else. Never did. Never did catch 20 in a row. <laughs> but my back, I was, I was competitive and I he worked the back out that way. And the, the, so there are ways. There is therapy. That, that I'm taking therapy now. It's, there are really some great benefits to it if people would just kind of fess up and get in shape. That's, but, what, that's what my wife keeps telling me. I've had yeah, <laughs> yeah, four four back surgeries, Derek, and she keeps telling me go to go to therapy, strengthen your core. It'll it'll be got to do your core. Yeah, You've got to oh, do your core. Wait till I get home, Derek. She's going to be all over me now. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I tell you, Bill, if you can get your core done, yeah, and it's very simple, easy, easy, easy exercises to engage your core. And All right, you will and you'll get yeah, you'll get stronger. Uh, you can take these uh, vegetable things they got in pill form now, right? Uh, fruits and fruits and vegetables are those. They're, they're pills. Uh, you take those, you get you get the healthy diet. And poof, you won't believe how good you'd be. 
I'll have to give it give it another try, Derek. That's for sure. Give it a shot. Honestly, just go yeah. find the right trainer. Yeah. You know, you got to find a trainer that can work around you. Right. Uh, not the not the classic nut that drives and drives and drives you. You got to get a guy that's a good guy, somebody you like. All right, I, I think I have the guy in mind, but uh, and I'll tell you what, if it's not a guy, uh, my my therapist was a girl, and except in Philadelphia, it was a, it was a guy. Yeah, but uh, when I'm just rehabbing from my back, uh, it just went out. I just went out uh, a year ago. Yeah, and they operated on five discs, and oh, uh, this therapy has been uh, godsend. All right, I'm oh, going to have to reconsider it then, Derek. Oh, you yeah. got to. You got yeah. to. I mean, it really, really works. The core is the key. All right, you heard it there, folks. Now, there you go. People may not remember, Derek, that you were involved with uh, Bachelors Three, the famous, famous New York nightclub. Uh, yeah, run I'm only with twenty years old. Your, yourself, Joe Namath, and a gentleman from the New England Patriots. Who was that? No, no. Nobody gets that. Uh, Joe Namath yeah. started The Bachelors 3 in New York with Bobby Van, Bobby Vanucci. Right. And, uh, and, and the, uh, boom, boom, another guy. Oh, it's a, my, it slips my mind. Oh, and then that was, that threesome there. When you came to Boston, it was me and Joe and, uh, and Bobby Van. Ah, okay. Yeah, so it was. I I, he said, and I he asked me to come into New York, and I, I never knew. I never talked to Joe Namath in my life. <laughs> so I'm 20 years old. It's June. I'm having a good time playing golf. He says, "Hey, could you make it into New York next Tuesday?" I said, "Yeah, sure." Uh, I'll go in. He said, "I got a proposition for you." Okay. So I showed up at five o'clock, get in out of shuttle, boom, sit down with him. He's at the Green Kitchen on First Avenue. And he says, hey, how are you? And he sits down here. He's had both knees and ice. And he's, uh, he says, uh, I got a proposition for us. What is it? He said, I want you to be my partner in Boston. Remember Roselle stopped him and he cried and right. retired? Okay. Yeah. That, that was, was over yeah. Three. You can't tell me what to do with my private life. That's Joe sticking out for the, for the little guy. Right. Right. And Roselle, it was such an impasse by the owners that Roselle said, Joe, get out of the one in New York. Right. Right. And I will, I will, uh, the NFL will help, let, will help you open up anywhere else. And he said, all right, I got to open a store in, Bo- in Boston. So then he, I said, well, why me? Because, well, I'll tell you the truth, you weren't first choice. Oh, thanks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm telling you, it's really, I said, uh, why not Bobby? And he said, well, Bobby's the kind of cookies and milk. He's kind of the, uh, just a, just a healthy guy. He's just, you know, not our style. He's wholesome. And he said, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and then he said, there was, uh, Kenny Harrelson. Oh, yeah. Him, the Hawk. But he's yeah. going to get traded. Uh, and a month later, they traded him. He had 34 home runs. I think they traded him to Cleveland. That's true. Yes. And he says, we've got, uh, Tony Cadigliaro. He says, his ego's yeah. bigger than mine, and uh, you know, he'd be, he'd be a problem with his good looks. He'd be a problem. So, you're it. I said, yeah, what's the deal? He said, I'll give you thirty thousand cash, which is only making 
thirty. I was only making ten. Yeah. He gave me tripled my salary, and I never cashed another hockey check. Not bad. And then I went yeah. into. Uh, I met my partner one night. Uh, my manager one night, and he says, "Derek, I know you hired me to run this place. Can you take a look, guys?" I says, "Pack, pack every night." I had gone down to the Playboy Club four doors over, and I said to the bunny mother, I said, well, all the girls can meet their boyfriends and everything, their husbands, whatever, and at Daisy's, and they all drank free. So all the girls came over. That's the best 64-looking women in the uh, city. Wow. Came before shift and after shift. It was yeah. Fat. So he said, why are we doing this for, for, for Joe? Why don't we do it for ourselves? I said, oh, yeah, I don't like that, I suppose. I didn't have a contract. I was in the contract. It was word of mouth, you know. I, yeah. So we opened. I opened up Daisy Buchanan's. I built Daisy Buchanan's. Built uh, Great Gatsby's. Built Zelda's. What, what I'm surprised about, Derek, I didn't know there was a bunny mother. Yes, <laughs> that was the bunny mother. The yeah. bunny mother was the. She was the uh, mature one, the captain of the house. Holy captain mackerel. All right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Cap- captain of the guard. She made sure you didn't uh, fool around in the parking lot. And, and Yeah. And when anybody that doing that around the parking lot. So right. They, nothing n- nothing to listen. Right. Yeah, they used to park up the street and then drive in and drop them off. <laughs> but then they came to Daisy's. I mean, uh, and, and uh, a little better. Yeah. Yeah, then they came to Well, t- talk about being with Joe in New York. How, how did you enjoy your time with the Rangers? I loved the Rangers. I loved New York fans. I'm telling you, I was a little tentative because you, they used to throw things at me, threw a padlock at me uh, one time. Oh, shoot. I <laughs> took a, chimpa, a chunk of ice out of the, and they had to patch it. And I'm going, these people are nuts. The guy reaches over the glass and just, just missed me. I just caught my eye. And, uh, so they put the, moved the glass up by it. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I walked in there and I said, well, no better, no better friend than a converted enemy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I went there and I tell you, they treated me as a ranger now. Nothing mattered before. Right. You're a ranger. And all the gals, all the top spirit, top ring guys, cheap seats, they were really, they had all the ranger suit, uh, you know, jackets and, and uh, sweaters, and they wore all the memorabilia. They were great. Up in the uh, blue seats, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, they were great. They were great. And I really enjoyed it there. And a good year. I got. Uh, I had uh, 25 and 25. I was plus 62. Uh, fine. And then uh, the next year, after I had a good year, uh, Ron Stewart came in as coach. Yeah, I remember Ron. I hated him. Yeah. He played with the Bruins. Yeah. When I was with the Bruins, my first game in the six-team league. He he was involved in the Terry Sawchuck situation. I remember that when they both played. Yeah, I said that too. I said that, yeah. They both played for the Rangers, and uh, I guess they were coming home loaded one night. They were roommates. Yeah. They were roommates. And uh, they had little to do, too much to drink. A little too much to drink at the... the, uh, at the uh, in Long Island, out in Long bar, Beach, but, yeah. yeah. And he was kind of bitching. Uh, uh, Chuck, I think, was bitching about the phone bill. Holy mackerel! And uh, yeah. Ronnie was pretty frugal. And then they were drinking, and then he carried it. I, 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 what are you going to do? And 
and he followed him on home. Yeah. And they started scuffling, and he fell on the uh, the skewer pin on the uh, the uh, outdoor grill. Right. Oh boy. And things stuck right through him. Hall of Famer, right there. Oh, boy. yeah, yeah. That's an oh, ugly story in New York New York sports history. Yeah. yeah. Now you you went through also some hellish times in your life, yeah. Derek. Yeah. And Bobby Orr was instrumental in dragging you out of the pits, wasn't he? Always there for me. Yeah. Always there for me. I, I you know, uh, he, he is the best friend you could ever ask for. Yeah. But the worst enemy. <laughs> You could have as well. He was as great as he was. He was. He held the grudge, boy. <laughs> yeah, the great so one. He caught. He pulled me. He bailed me out a few times. He caught me a few times. What got you interested in broadcasting, Derek? That is a funny story. That is, I met there working for the Employees Assistance Program in the City of Boston, making right. seventeen grand. Right. And uh, I did it for because I needed my hip replaced. I needed the, the insurance. So I was, uh, well, it was <clears throat> something I had thought about uh, what to do. And anyway, I don't know. Worked out. You did it well. Was a, it was something that the, the I forgot what I was going to say. Broadcasting. Yeah, yeah, I get into broadcasting. So I'm at the employees assistance program, making a few bucks, and no job, and right. no education. And uh, a friend of mine, Billy Billy Skinner, he comes by and he said, "Hey, I, I, on Monday they fired Butch Goring as coach and hired Terry O'Reilly out of the booth. He was the third man in the booth, and they pulled him out of the booth as coach, and they had an opening. Right. Fifteen, thirteen guys went. Seven of them brought agents. They never even got talked to." And I, I, I said, okay, I don't know anything about it. And so I phoned Kenny Harrelson. And he did TV 38. And, uh, I said, what do you, what should I ask for? How much money should I ask for? I don't want to be too cheap. He said, Derek, take my advice. You always did. Take my advice. Pay them if you have to. But get on that television. Yeah. And I'm telling you, people actually thought we were, saw the same game when we're, and we're in the same room. You know, that's what I related to is the guy sitting around the television wanting to know what's going on with guys doing this. And things came to a, things came to a head. They needed a, a, a broadcaster by Thursday. Right. So they had uh, the interviews were set up. And I, and I said to them, oh, uh, they, what do you want? How much do you want to be paid? I said, oh, I don't care. I don't care about money. And Kenny said, just get on the television and. And they said fifty dollars a game. I'm still okay. Yeah. I said okay. The price kept me in for being a total novice. Price kept me in. Yeah. Then well, it that, worked out. That, yeah, all worked out. Yeah. And then Kenny told me it would. He said I should do it for fifty. Then I the the uh, thirty eight asked me to come over to do the to do the playoffs. So I was doing nothing at home. And then I was doing the playoffs in uh, 38. And nice. Yeah. So I'm working there. Now I'm working. But they paid me 500 Getting better. Yeah. So now you're talking. I went yeah. back to Nets and I said, they paid me 500 They went, okay, we'll pay you uh, 7500 
750. I said, okay, then they went to 11, and now they went to 12. They said, you know, you're going to price yourself out of this. I said, no, I'm fine. All right, Derek, we're running out of time. Uh, we will get back with you. I'll, I'll give you a call back. We'll get you back on. It's been a pleasure. Thanks for taking time out of your Sunday night to spend it with us down here in New York. I appreciate it. That's that's the great Derek Sanderson, folks. That'll do it for me tonight on Sports Talk New York. I'd like to thank my guests, Joe Klecko and Derek Sanderson, my engineer, Brian Graves, and you guys for joining us. See you next on February 5th. Till then, be safe, be well. Bill Donahue wishing you a good evening, folks. The views expressed in the previous program did not necessarily represent those of the staff, management, or owners of WGBB.